You're listening to Podnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. I'm Ayla Ellison. Indigenous people suffer from some of the worst health disparities in the country. They die at higher rates than other Americans from chronic liver disease, diabetes, unintentional injuries, assault, suicide, and chronic lower respiratory disease. They also have the lowest life expectancy among other racial and ethnic groups, dying more than a decade before white Americans on average. Part of the problem is a lack of culturally competent healthcare workers. Misty Welke, a clinical associate professor at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing, is intimately familiar with the challenges of obtaining high-quality care as an American Indian herself. In a conversation with staff writer Anastasia Gliadkowskia, she shares her efforts to enhance diversity and cultural competency within the healthcare system. Here they are. So to start, you are American Indian, correct? Correct. I am an enrolled citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians located in North Dakota. And I also have a lineage from First Nations in Canada. I wanted to ask about your experience as an American Indian going through the U.S. nursing education system and what that was like, what classes were like, what you felt like the curriculum was like? That is a an amazing question. And really, my experience in nursing education within the U.S. prompted a lot of the work that I do today because I did not have a great experience in nursing school. And honestly, I don't know many students that would say that they loved it uh, because it's very rigorous, stressful, time-consuming high stakes. I mean, there's a a lot of uh, adjectives we can use to describe it. But then add on top of that experiences of loneliness, academic barriers, microaggressions, racism, discrimination, all of those things were components that I dealt with on a fairly regular basis. And in most of my nursing programs, I was either the only minority and most definitely the only American Indian within the classroom. There were many times where faculty would say, hey, Misty, can you tell us a little bit more about that whenever we were on any topic related to American Indians? And there's 574 different tribal nations within the U.S., and I'm only one of those. I am not an expert on the other 573. There was also a lot of added pressure for me to answer things like that in class, which I definitely was not comfortable doing. That's very unfortunate. That was your experience and no doubt the experience of so many other Indigenous and American Indian Alaska Native people. And what did you come away with from that experience? Were you more determined to go into the healthcare field and try to make it better? Did you feel discouraged from entering the field? When I was uh, in my undergrad program at Bemidji State, I had learned that there were 12 American Indian nurses with a PhD in nursing. And it was at that time that I decided I wanted to be one of those nurses. I didn't really know what somebody with a PhD did. I honestly didn't even know what a PhD was. 
But I knew that 12 was not enough. And that was the start of my trajectory in education. I really didn't care about all of the negative experiences that I was going to have in that process. But I knew that I just, I had to become one of those elite nurses with a PhD. What that led me to was to create programming for other American Indian students to help prevent them from experiencing some of the things that I did, such as establishing a mentoring program and a community building support system when they go to an institution so they don't experience that social isolation to provide funding sources to help alleviate some of the financial burdens of attending higher ed and helping them to maintain their cultural identity. We le- we lose a big p- a piece of our cultural identity when we leave the reservation to attend school because we're such a, a close-knit community and family-oriented culture. Whenever students leave that environment to go to school, it just creates so many more barriers for them to succeed. And so the programming that I created was to help minimize some of those barriers that they're bound to experience. Mm -hmm. Some of the health disparities within the American Indian Alaska Native culture are quite grim. I can rattle off some statistics, but some of the more discouraging ones are the infant and mortality rate within American Indian Alaska Native women are some of the worst in the country. We have a lower life expectancy than a lot of the other racial and ethnic minority groups. Males ages 15 to 19 have a death rate twice that of non-Hispanics, and females 15 to 19 have a death rate five times that of non-Hispanic white females. The missing and murdered Indigenous women is at an epic crisis in the U.S. and doesn't get nearly enough media attention. Suicide rates are two and a half times that of the national average in the U.S. So those are just a a few realities that American Indians face every day in the U.S. And of course, underlying all of those horrible disparities is the fact that the U.S. doesn't collect that much data on American Indians, often under the justification that it's too small of a sample size. So I think there's even less visibility into potentially some worse disparities that are there. And there's also, I think, broad misunderstanding about who American Indians are, where they live, how they integrate into society. Many live on reservations, but many also live in urban settings, right? And as we spoke about last time, a lot of the time clinicians such as nurses might not even be aware that they are taking care of an American Indian person. So I wanted to ask you, what are the consequences of a clinician taking care of a patient without fully knowing or understanding their background, their race, their ethnicity? Are there consequences like worse outcomes, worse patient experiences? Absolutely. Since the 1980s, 
there has been research to support that populations will have better health outcomes if they have healthcare providers taking care of them that look like them. And the reason for that is, is that level of trust is already built when you have somebody that looks like you because they already know your experiences before you even open your mouth. If I meet a fellow American Indian and I'm their nurse, I'm generally going to start out the conversation by asking them where they're from. And if they recognize me as an American Indian, they're going to tell me their tribal affiliation. They're not going to tell me what town they're from or where they live. It's that shared understanding that when you ask, where are you from, you're asking about their tribal affiliation. And so that really just sets the the tone or the path for what that care looks like as you continue on. The patient has that immediate trust and will be more likely to follow your healthcare advice and treatment that is recommended or proposed for them. And so absolutely it affects the health outcomes where if you have somebody you don't trust, they're not going to follow what you say and they're not going to believe that you have their best interest in mind. That makes so much sense because we all want to feel comfortable in a healthcare setting, which is definitely not the most welcoming and warm environment. You're usually there because you're sick or you're trying not to get sick and it's often cold and feels sterile. Of course, that's it's very important to have someone who understands you on that fundamental of a level. And I think that's a great segue to talk about shadow health and your experience using it as a student and what led you to develop a patient scenario about an American Indian for Shadow Health? When I was a a faculty at Bemidji State, I was approached uh, by Shadow Health to create the first American Indian simulation patient. And I was thrilled at the invitation because as a faculty, we had used Shadow Health for our own students in the health assessment course because it provided an opportunity for students to do head-to-toe assessments on a patient in a virtual environment that was safe and had a standardized form of care. And it just gave students the opportunity to be repetitive in how they approach their head-to-toe assessment. So I was familiar with the work that Shadow Health had created. And so to have the opportunity to help invent this new American Indian patient was a dream come true. So a lot of what was put in place for the patient was very strategic. And one of the things that I most appreciated about Shadow Health was their accountability and their desire to want to be authentic and genuine with everything about the patient simulations, making sure that artwork of what the patient looks like came from somebody from the Turtle Mountain tribe, because that's where uh, the patient was from. So just those small details was really important to me. But a little bit about the patient that was developed. Her name was Donis LaFontaine. She was an 18-year-old young woman who was expecting a baby. And a lot of the story was developed 
from my own life story, I was the 18-year-old single American Indian expecting a baby at 18. I incorporated a lot of those details from my experience. But even as much as Donis's name was very strategic, Donis in Ojibwe means daughter. LaFontaine was named for Savannah LaFontaine, who was a 22-year-old American Indian woman in Fargo, North Dakota. And she was eight months pregnant in 2017. Her neighbor kidnapped her and cut her unborn baby from her womb and then murdered her. And so this was a nationwide and probably a worldwide story because it happens far too often with this particular population. And so I really wanted to pay tribute to Savannah in some way, even if nobody else knew the significance of LaFontaine. I knew what it meant, and I wanted Savannah's memory to to stay alive in some manner. And what better way than for her to help educate other nurses across the, the country and the world or whoever uses the shadow health programming. That is a horrifying, just chilling story. And it's good to hear that you were able to incorporate something so meaningful. What was the feedback, if any, that you heard from nurses who were then learning from this scenario? Or maybe you have implemented it with your students and and have seen positive feedback. All of the feedback that I've heard about the simulation has been positive. So much of what is put in the literature about American Indians is usually about the Navajo Nation because it's the largest in the U.S. that anytime American Indian is mentioned, people often migrate towards the Navajo community. And their culture is very different than any other tribal nation in the country. And so for me to have a patient simulation from a member of my tribe was really important for me. And I think one of the the things that you mentioned earlier was how many American Indians live off the reservation and in urban settings. And I believe it's anywhere between 50 and 75 percent of American Indians live in urban settings. And that is all due to the Indian Relocation Act. So the opportunity for healthcare providers and nurses to learn a little bit about a tribe that might be closer to home to them and they're more likely to encounter just improves that potential for health outcome when there's a general understanding of the the tribal nation and what some of those cultural beliefs and values are. And maybe you can talk a bit about those specific beliefs that you felt it was important to incorporate into the simulation. I think the last time that we spoke, you mentioned smudging. And what are some of those other traditional cultural practices? So some of the common things that you'll see within the Turtle Mountain tribe and a lot of our Plains Indians is smudging, which is just a a cleansing of the space, cleansing of the mind, getting rid of negative energy, when you're bringing a baby in the world, do you want that space to be as clean and peaceful as possible? And that's what smudging does. Other common things that you might see is a lack of eye contact. And this is 
not meant to be disrespectful to the provider. In fact, it's a sign of respect, but often it gets misconstrued as not paying attention or the patient not caring about what's going on. When in fact, when the patient is looking down at the floor, not making eye contact with the healthcare provider, it's because they're listening so intently that they want to take in all of that knowledge that's being shared. And then when there's a period of silence, the healthcare provider can take that as, well, I guess the conversation is done when in fact the Indigenous patient is thinking through everything that was said. I've found many people in the Western world are not comfortable with silence where American Indians are a very thoughtful people and like to think thoroughly before they speak. And so there can be long periods of silence before anything is said. And if a healthcare provider wants that true, meaningful relationship with the patient, they need to be comfortable with that silence. Other things they might see, a lot of family and friends in the room when a patient is ill or expecting a baby. There might be issues or concerns around touching and just making sure that you have permission to touch the patient before doing so. They might, the patient might request to bring the placenta home. And for some healthcare providers, this can be really shocking to hear. But there's a really strong spiritual belief that where the placenta is buried will always bring that child back home. And it's a significant part of providing care for some of our Indigenous relatives. Well, that's wonderful. Those are great examples. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate knowing even just a little bit, having that insight. I did want to talk also about your grant that you have to help recruit American Indian and Alaska Native nurses to earn their doctorate degree. The grant can cover the cost of their tuition. And in just one year, you've increased the number of students in the Doctor of Nursing program from three to 16. What, what have you seen people do with an advanced degree in nursing? The two biggest areas that we need, uh, not only American Indian, Alaska Natives, but any ethnic and racial minority group, we need more of them as faculty teaching in nursing programs because the more underrepresented faculty that we have teaching, the more students that look like them will come to those academic institutions. That is one great need that we have. And another is we need more of them to be advanced practice nurses in nurse practitioner, nurse midwifery, nurse anesthesia. So anywhere that they're taking care of patients, they're creating and implementing policies. These are all a great need for American Indian Alaska Natives with either a, a DNP or a PhD. And for schools or healthcare organizations that don't have a grant available, but are trying to be mindful of this shortage and are trying to fill gaps in care, fill gaps in their workforce, what would you recommend to them? What would be the starting point in trying to recruit and include more American Indian and Alaska Native clinicians in their practice? 
the number one thing that institutions can do and healthcare organizations that are trying to recruit nurses to their healthcare facilities is to provide a mentor, preferably and ideally it would be a person of color, again, because they have that shared understanding and experience. We all need somebody to go to to ask questions, to help walk us through processes that we're not familiar with, whether it's navigating the application process for graduate school or applying for promotion in tenure as a faculty member. We need a safe person to go to to answer questions for us and to help guide us through those experiences. And whether you're a new student or a new nurse, having that mentor relationship is key to keeping that student or that professional within your organization. That's beautiful. I really like that. And is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today? I guess my final thoughts would be that American Indians have occupied U.S. lands for about 20,000 years. And I'm really surprised at how many in the country don't know a lot about us. And sometimes we even get asked, like, oh, you still exist? And it's just mind-blowing to me. But I think we can all do our part to improve the disparity gap between American Indian, Alaska Natives, and other ethnic and racial groups in one of two ways. One, we can support and nurture American Indian nursing students so we have more of them out there taking care of our tribal relatives. And we can also educate other healthcare professionals about American Indian culture so they're better equipped to provide the most holistic and culturally sensitive care to our tribal relatives. Thank you for listening to Podnosis. I'm Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fiercehealthcare.com. Look for podcasts. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday morning to Podnosis, where healthcare is our beat.